We're well into the year now, with new people in different political roles. Even though most of us are stuck in the same lives we've always been in. It's February 5th, and we're now over a tenth of the way through 2022. There's still a lot to go, so this is a good day to imagine how that other 90% might look. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, it's the first meeting for new interim city manager Michael C. Rogers, and Charlottesville City Council got another close look at the budget for the next fiscal year. Property assessments have brought in new revenue, but a tax increase will be needed to cover the growing capital budget. And at least three councillors appear ready to raise the property tax by 10 cents this year. In today's subscriber-fueled shout-out, work continues to identify people whose remains are buried just outside a cemetery in Charlottesville's Penn Park. The Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society and the Jefferson Madison Regional Library will give an update in a webinar on Wednesday, February 9th on the Forgotten History of Penn Park, Unmarked Graves of Enslaved Persons. The panel will discuss the research thus far to identify the unmarked graves of enslaved individuals outside the Gilmer, Craven, and Hotop family cemeteries and the connections that are being made to living descendants. Speakers include Charlottesville's historic preservation planner, researchers, and a descendant. Visit the library's website at jmrl.org to register. You can also go watch the first installment from past June on the Historical Society's YouTube page. There are links in the newsletter. This is a different installment of this program with just one single topic. Sometimes this is appropriate to do when there is something uh, that's as big as what might be happening in Charlottesville quite soon. Charlottesville City Council met for over three hours on Thursday for a work session on the city's next budget. In an era with lots of turnover on both staff and council, the budget remains one of the best ways to gauge the health of the city organization, at least from a financial and fiscal perspective. Now it's up to a new city council to make the decisions that will lead the community forward. There are two new city councilors who have not yet been through the process of a new municipal budget. There are three who have mostly only served during the virtual era brought on by the pandemic, a time that's felt a little disconnected for many of us. Still, the city has moved on, continuing a trajectory towards increased spending on capital projects. In fiscal year 13, the five-year capital improvement plan was $65 million. In fiscal year 2018, that had increased to $106 million. In fiscal year 22, the current fiscal year, that figure is now $159 million, with previous councils agreeing to make major investments in affordable housing as well as school reconfiguration. But the question remains, how exactly will City Council decide how this increased capital spending will be paid for? The process got officially underway on February 3rd at a budget work session in which the new council stated their values and indicated their willingness to increase the property tax rate. One of the first things was to hear from Michael C. Rogers, the new interim city manager. Our discussion is uh, the first discussion about uh, the 20 FY23 budget. Some decisions have already been made well in advance of the official kickoff. 
In September, three members of this council told budget staff to take over $18 million in the capital improvement plan that had been intended for the West Main streetscape and put it toward a $75 million investment in city schools. They also adopted an affordable housing plan in March, which calls for $10 million a year on affordable housing projects, such as the redevelopment of Friendship Court and Charlottesville public housing sites. As the budget cycle officially begins, the central question is to how to pay for these decisions made by a previous council. Now it's up to this one to decide whether to proceed and at what cost. A majority on council does appear willing to raise the property tax rate, even in a year with near record increases in property assessments. At the beginning of the February 3rd work session, Rogers helped inform the answer with new information that had not yet been revealed. Uh, there is, uh, has been a tremendous uh, uh, boost in terms of the uh, assessed value of, uh, of property. Assessments were up an average of 10.77% this year, according to city assessor Jeffrey Davis. The reassessment saw a uh, larger than normal increase this year, and that was uh, due mainly to the overall strength of the, of the uh, residential market. In 2022, residential property increased 11.7%. That figure was 4.2% in 2021 and 3.8% in 2020. Commercial property values rebounded this year. All of the property assets added together make up what's called the tax base. Davis said the rise in assessments from 2021 to 2022 have yielded an additional $860.8 million to the base. In comparison, the increase from 2020 to 2021 added $250.3 million to the base. These numbers will remain in flux as property owners pursue appeals. We are right now in the process of uh, handling appeals, and we will be uh, uh, we will be doing that until the appeal period uh, ends at the end of February. And at that time, we will uh, we will look to prepare for. Uh, the Board of Equalization, which will uh, hear appeals in May. A budget is built by staff who make forecasts about how much revenue the city will bring in. Sources include local taxes, licenses and permits, charges for services, and revenue from state and federal sources. There's also a line item for revenue sharing from Albemarle County. But the biggest source of revenue by far is from property taxes. In the current fiscal year, which runs through this June 30th, Budget staff projected $80.3 million in revenues from property taxes, or 41.8% of total revenues. The increase in assessments will bring additional revenue for the current fiscal year, and will also yield additional revenue on which to build the fiscal year 23 budget. Chrissy Hamill is the city's senior budget analyst. We are looking at a revenue increase of um, $14.8 million for the 23 budget. Of that figure, real estate makes up $8.3 million of that increase, and the rest is made up through projected increases in revenues from the sales tax, meals tax, and the lodging tax. Hamill said that means the city can build a budget of $207 million for fiscal year 23, up from the adopted budget of $192.2 million for the current fiscal year. All of that, however, is based on the assumption that the property tax rate will remain at $0.95 cents per $100 of assessed value. It's been that way since calendar year 2008.
Before we get to the capital portion of the budget, there are several drivers that are fueling increased expenditures. One is further salary increases for city employees. Council agreed earlier this year to allocate the budget surplus from fiscal year 21 to cover the cost of a bonus as well as a 6% across-the-board increase. That means fiscal year 23's operating budget must carry on that charge at a cost of $3.2 million, and further merit pay increases are also being considered to help retain staff in an era of fierce competition. We have priced out here a, th- a potential 3% merit increase. That would be at a cost of $1.7 million. There is no budget yet, but we do know that there have been $10.65 million in requests from city departments with just under half of this in the form of new positions. Another $3 million is for compensation requests, and just under $2.5 million are for operational additions. Specific decisions about individual line items will be made as Council goes through the budget in March. But the key takeaway for Hamill's presentation on February 3rd was one of revenue. Number-wise, it's a good story to tell. We have $14 million of new revenue. The challenging part is that we always have more needs than we have resources. Um, And so how do we best prioritize and parse through and figure out um, the trade-offs? And that's the task ahead for staff and council. The budget won't officially be presented until March 7th. But until then, there will continue to be lots of discussion about the capital improvement plan. As we move on, we know that this plan is not affordable. Um, as currently laid out without um, significant revenue enhancements, we have to figure out a way to pay for it. The debt service payment would double if all of the bonds for all of the projects were floated next year. Hamill said council needs to review the capital budget carefully. This is when, um, if ever, there is a a time when priorities uh, take a, a very high look. Um, this is the opportunity to do that. The discussion of whether to move forward with a tax rate was led by interim city manager Rogers. He said council does not have ready access to that $14 million that's made available through the assessment increase. There are some decisions that have already been made that uh, impact how uh, that new revenue can be used. And uh, some of it, decisions have already been made. Some of it is that uh, we are are recommending, based on prior discussion, that uh, uh, certain investments continue to be made in, in employees and in retirees. The school system gets a percentage of that new revenue based on a formula, and that would yield $3.3 million. However, the school system has asked for more, and staff is recommending an additional $900,000. There's another $1 million slated for enhancements for tax relief programs, $1.8 million in equipment repair and replacement related to COVID, and other recommended uses of that money. At the end of the day, uh, when uh, we look at all of the, the availability of revenue, and all of the things that we have listed uh, that are uh, up for funding, there's not a lot of uh, uh, money that's left if it goes that way. Uh, Chrissy, remind me, how much did we we leave uh, on the table at the end? 
Um, I think we were right around about a half a million. Rogers said that means that if council wants to support that capital budget, there will need to be an increase in the tax rate. But first, the interim city manager wanted to hear from councilors about those budget priorities. Councilor Sina McGill said she is prepared to raise the rate even on top of the assessments because she said Charlottesville has one of the lowest municipal tax rates of its peer cities. There, there are some things coming up that we have to make sure we're, we, we, we know we have to do something about our schools. I know we're also still trying to figure out reconfiguration from renovation from all of these parts and pieces. Um, but I know we do need to sink a lot of money into our schools to bring them up to a place that the buildings are environments um, that are conducive to learning and good mental health. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade, who served for 16 years on the school board, said he supported additional funding for the schools. The cost of the schools, they're not going to get any cheaper if we had made some of these tough decisions. In the past, instead of 75 million, maybe we were talking about, I don't know, 60, 65 million, been cheaper. Planning for reconfiguration did take place during Wade's tenure on the school board. To learn more about those decisions, visit Civilpedia. There's a link in the newsletter. City Councilor Michael Payne said he wanted to continue to honor the $10 million a year agreed to in the affordable housing plan adopted by council last March. Even if we're not able to immediately get there, this budget cycle to have a clear plan for how we will very shortly and maintain that commitment over 10 years. On February 22nd, there will be a presentation on an audit of the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund. Payne also wants additional local funding for public transportation as one way to implement a future climate action plan. He also wants money set aside for higher salaries when the city implements a collective bargaining system for city employees. Councillor Brian Pinkston said he does support funding for the schools. Local governments build schools. That's like a core competency of what we should be doing to advance. Um, it's more than just, you know, building shiny new buildings. There's, there's an investment in physical capital that reflects human capital as well. Pinkston asked the public to accept the potential to reduce the cost of reconfiguration through value engineering, discussed at council's joint meeting with the school board on Wednesday. He said he also continued to support spending on affordable housing. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook agreed that it is the role of the city to invest in schools and that councillors in recent years have seen providing affordable housing as a core function of the city. That notwithstanding, Charlottesville has decided, this, this council and prior councils have decided, that it is something that is a priority of ours. And it's hard, it, it gets hard after a while to figure out what it means to be one of those core things that cities just have to do if we keep adding more things to that list. Snook said collective bargaining will also lead to the need for more employees to handle those negotiations, and that will be another added cost moving forward. Charlottesville has also hired several new medic positions paid for through a federal grant that will eventually run out. Part of the issue there, of course, is the ongoing concern that has not really been addressed, has not been addressed at all, uh, between uh, the rescue squad and the fire department and that's a, an issue that we need to be working on 
Whether it has an actual budget imp impact on the next fiscal year, I don't know. It seems to me that it, it may well. The draft capital improvement program shown to the Planning Commission in November anticipated issuing bonds for the school reconfiguration project in fiscal year 24, which means a tax increase this year to pay for the debt service would not be strictly necessary. But Hamill said saving up the money now could help the success of the project. I do think that, again, if we had um, an opportunity to um, decide where we are definitively, then there's a lot of opportunity for staff to come back and give you a lot of more definitive options for you to weigh against. Councillor Payne said he wanted to see scenarios for various situations, ranging from cutting the budget to adding more revenue. And I think within those scenarios will, has to be not just what we choose to fund in the CIP, but also the other variable of is a majority of council in support of a 10 cent real estate, real estate tax increase, 15, 20, 5. Payne is also holding out hope that the General Assembly will grant permission to localities, including Charlottesville, to enact a 1% sales tax increase for education. Legislation in the House of Delegates filed by Delegate Sally Hudson did not make it out of committee last month, but a bill carried by Senator Cree Deeds did pass out of the Senate on a 28-12 to 12 vote. Bills need to be approved by both houses in order to go before Governor Glenn Youngkin for action. And the state's commission on school funding was very explicit in saying that the only solution was state level. Payne referred to the Virginia Commission on School Construction and Modernization, which offered several recommendations in December. Payne also suggested finding a way to get the University of Virginia to contribute to the city through something called a payment in lieu of taxes, which you can look up in the state code. Is longer term, but it seems like a discussion um, that we should engage the university on. I know that's something that the University of Michigan, Yale, Harvard, many other institutions have done. UVA is exempt from paying property taxes, and none of the examples he gave are in Virginia. Rogers took all of the information in. That's what I could think about, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, and, and this part of the program was precisely what we'd hoped for. A tax rate has to be advertised to the public 30 days before the public hearing. And Hamill said that means a decision on a tax rate to publish needs to be made by council by February 14th. February 14th is the day that I really need to be calling up the daily progress. So we're, we're short on time um, in that respect. Mayor Snook said that council will make a final decision on the tax rate to advertise at its meeting this upcoming Monday. Councillor Michael Payne suggested one scenario. If our baseline scenario is funding everything currently in the CIP, I would think at a minimum, we would need to discuss 10 cents. If we're talking about five cents or lower, again, I think we just need to be very honest with ourselves and the public that that means not funding the affordable housing plan for a decade. Payne also said without a higher tax increase, there would be no funding to expand transit, address climate change, begin collective bargaining, and continued support for Friendship Court's redevelopment. And I don't think that's what the community wants to see our decision to be. 
Another issue is whether council should provide city funding to two additional Piedmont Housing Alliance projects that they approved earlier this year. Councillor McGill was very clear. I am very much for raising taxes. Um, I think we have to do it for a lot of reasons. Pinkston said he needed more time to decide on a tax rate to advertise, but appeared supportive of one. I don't know all the reasons why um, our tax rates are relatively low. You know, I'm I'm open to a 10 cent increase um, because I think that's what it's going to take to get where we need to go. Pinkston suggested five cents this year and the other five cents next year. Interim city manager Michael Rogers closed up the meeting. Uh, we can take this and go back and uh, Chrissy and the and the revenue team, and we can we can really dig in with the deputy city managers and and try to come back with something that uh, will will meet your needs. Council will be asked to make a final decision on a tax rate to advertise at their meeting on Monday. There'll be more information about that in the week ahead, perhaps, and I certainly will be covering that. As I said, this is a lot longer than most of these installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement, but of course, this was one where I felt it was important to take the time to just cover this because regardless of where you are on this, it is a big change for the city of Charlottesville, and as many of us as possible should be paying attention. And that is it for this longer, special Saturday edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I will be back on Monday with a slight return to form. But in the meantime, the Week Ahead newsletter will be out tomorrow. This is all part of Town Crier Productions, a company that I set up in July of 2020 in order to try to plan ahead for this kind of work that I'm doing as often as I can, information about the community that I think you need to know. And of course, that's what I have demonstrated I can do. And of course, hundreds of you are paying for this, which is fantastic. This is not a nonprofit. This is a for-profit venture, uh, mostly because that allows me to be nimble to basically do whatever I need to do to get you information when I think you need to know it. I am an independent journalist here in Charlottesville, Virginia, and it's something I'd like to continue doing. This is episode 326, and I certainly would love to make it to 652 and beyond. Uh, not next week, though. It's going to take me a little bit of time to get there. This is a community that, of course, I have worked in for many years. It's a community that several of us have lived in. And, of course, it is one that I care about deeply, as I hope is evidenced by every installment of this program. If you'd like to support it, you know what to do by now. You can contribute by making a payment through Substack, which will be matched by the company Ting. You can support me on Patreon. For details of all of this, please go to infocville.com and click on the Support the Info button. Also, drop me a line if you would like to express an opinion on this. This is not really an opinion show, but of course, I think everybody's going to have an opinion on this topic. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I will be back soon. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.